This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Well, we are on a roll here. If you look at the uh, voices of leadership from the first speech from Janet Napolitano, Dr. Molina, and we continue with the presentation by my colleague, uh, Ram Ramanathan, who is the distinguished uh, professor here at Scripps Institution of Oceanography and the chair of this summit, who miraculously, in four months, put together the summit, the executive summary, and the leadership to make this all happen. You are amazing. (laughs) Dr. Ramanathan. Byron, there was a problem with your introduction, but I'll come to that later. Well, you know, we, we heard last yesterday and today about the nature of the problem and uh, what are the thinking out there. So it's now time for us to load up our sleeves and address the solutions. Does anyone want to guess what we need to do. Come on, you heard me at my slogan yesterday. Very good. <clears throat> so that's exactly what 50 of us took us, took us a challenge. And uh, so it's my great privilege on behalf of the University of California to announce uh, the 10 solutions. So just to set the uh, stage, this is the correction to uh, Byron's uh, introduction. He said I did it in four months. It was genuinely, genuinely, with no sense of exaggeration and no sense of false modesty. The one thing I don't have is modesty. (laughs) So uh, it's a genuine group effort. We just couldn't have done, and I think there'll be time for Sandy and I to thank those uh, involved. I was strictly told to keep my time limit. Just to give you one example, we finished this report and you know, the executive record time. We gave it to UCOP, uh, I think two days before we were going to officially distribute it, and they came with this graphic, I, I, I wish... Of all the things in this report, I had thought of that graphic. It's just brilliant, what we are trying to bend. Uh, yeah, so these are the 50. They were drawn from all the 10 campuses and the DOE labs. And uh, it was, I think, like I said yesterday, anyone we asked, unless they had some major commitment like going on a, you know, uh, assignment, everyone said yes. And, and they just did it. They produced a 300-page report, which is still being reviewed. And the lead author, so they wrote these seven chapters. It's still on, it's on online, uh, but with password protected. And we distilled the thoughts from these seven chapters 
into this executive summary, which is what I'm going to present today. These are the lead authors. All the 10 campuses are represented. I forgot to mention uh, uh, CARB is one of the authors in the chapter and the DOE labs. We heard from all of them yesterday. So what is it we, we did? So let's talk about bending that curve. Um, those of you who heard me yesterday, you can go to sleep for the next five minutes. I'm going to repeat that. Um, we have already put two trillion tons of carbon dioxide as of 2010. Each trillion, our best of climate models says 50% probability commits the planet to three quarters of a degree. So a degree and a half is already in the bank. Okay? Not counting the other greenhouse, just carbon dioxide. And we put the next trillion, we're shooting past two degrees, two and a quarter degrees, 50% probability. So what we try to do in this, stretch that next trillion, instead of putting it in 20 years, stretch it to 40. If you want to stay under two, you can't exceed trillion. And, and trillion looks a lot. We put 38 billion tons every year. It's growing at 2%. So in the next, if you want me to go to the second decimal place, 20.66 years, you'd have put the next trillion. We want to stretch it to 40. And our community has come up with another uh, way to bring this, stretch it to 60 years. So... If we adopt these 10, 10 solutions, we can give the planet at least 50 years before we hit the two. Hopefully, we would avoid it forever. So that's the challenge. Okay? So whenever we go to see the two degrees by 2050, that's 35 years from now. So that's our challenge. That's the urgency. We've got to act now, because otherwise, in 20 years, we would have sent our children, our grandchildren, and generations unborn to an uncertain future. Like Mario said, it's a roulette. Honestly, you can't trust our climate models, and you can't trust anything I say beyond two degrees. We don't know that world. Okay? <clears throat> so, keep track of two timescales. Now to 2030... If you don't do anything, that trillion is up there. So I've got to stretch it. Okay, something has to happen by 2030. <clears throat> so when I was asked to do this, I was drafted, like I said, uh, uh, Margaret Leinen, Chancellor of Scripps. I work at Scripps, and our Vice Chancellor. They're, those are the two I can't say no and still stay in this campus. <laughs> so, but I was so glad they drafted me. So I checked into what this carbon neutrality is, what shook me out and said, this is the cause I'd like to work on, is this statement by Janet Napolitano. There is no reason that UC can't lead the world in this quest. Okay? So that's the call the 50 of us responded to. And, and what is our starting premise? UC is a fantastic living laboratory for carbon neutrality thanks to our general uh, initiative and all the campus chancellors. So that one is the internet of things. I'm not going to maintain the campus because I don't have time to build all the 10. I'm just showing four. The internet of things, making the buildings efficient by already 30%. 
buildings contribute about 34% out of the, the 32 gigatons of fossil fuel. That's about 10 gigatons. You save 30%, right? All, already you have given me 3 billion tons. Okay? And the next is food waste. The third largest source of greenhouse gas emission next to China and the U.S. is the food we throw away. Can there be a more low-hanging fruit than that, right? And that's what one campus came up with, this biodigester. You put your banana peels, which out comes a light shining on you, okay? And uh, hydrogen fuel cell running buses, that's the biggest problem, transportation. And we know why the transportation is a difficult problem. We are not able to simulate real-time exchange still. Anyway, so going to that, let me start with solution one. We want to bend that curve immediately. Okay? So by reducing the short-lived climate pollutants, their time scale is few weeks to 15 years. So you start emitting your black carbon from your diesel trucks or we make sure three billion who depend on cook stoves, major source of black carbon, they are gone two weeks from now, okay? Methane is gone 10 years. So what we do, as you see in that curve, you push it from the top immediately. So it becomes a concave, you see that yellow. And then do sustain that by pulling down the CO2 emission. So you push it from the top immediately, so you have a bend, and then you pull down at the other end for the CO2, okay? So that's the starting, that's the science. But we know, uh, just from the American experience, we have left behind 150 million Americans behind, okay? So, change in the attitude and behavior is the fundamental starting point. So these two solutions address individuals, okay? So how do we do that? Communication, education, and understanding. We heard from our colleague from UCLA about polling students. So this is where universities excel. And the next one, this has to be taught at every public meeting every church, every mosque, every synagogue, every temple. Then we will have the change. And we have a fantastic leader in Pope Francis. And other religious leaders are following very close to that. We heard about uh, Bartholomew, and I know about the Dalai Lama. And all. So these are the two about social transformation. And this addresses the intergenerational and intragenerational equity. Okay. What is the intergenerational equity? Our climate change is going to last for centuries to thousand years. So our unsustainable consumption is going to affect generations. Intergenerational, we already heard, three billion are still dealing with 18th century technologies. They have not heard about fossil fuels. We know they're going to be the worst affected with climate change because they're all living in subsistence forming. So there are morality issues, there is ethical issues, there are equity issues. Let these two address that. Fourth one, we need governance. 
We know that. This is what California excels. Our car, and we heard from our Republican mayor how San Diego is going to go zero carbon in 2035. We need to take these examples. We already have our governor, we're going to hear from him, is under two MOU. They have entrained 25 nations. University of California is a city-state. We have half a million population. We go carbon neutral 10 years. There are going to be scalable solutions coming from that. Okay? Going on to fifth and sixth. So we address individual. We address government. Next, we need to bring our corporate friends together. Without them, we are not going to solve the problem. Our economists came up with this market-based instruments, cap and trade, carbon pricing. That's not going to work everywhere. Then go to direct regulatory measures. So we have done that. We know what not to do. So that's an important example to take to the rest of the world. And this, again, something University of California. And we publicly call for terminating subsidies. $540 billion of direct cash is given for fossil fuel use. Since they've been around for 200 years, I think it's about time to stop that subsidy. And the externalities is about $4.5 trillion carbon pricing. So now we go to the technologies, right? We have set we address the structural change. Now we unleash the solutions. So already, the things which have been tried in this campus, in San Diego, in the state, in terms of photovoltaics, wind turbines, these are all here, off the shelf. It's a question of scaling it up. That would give us about 40% reduction by 2030, if it is scaled globally. So this is where I think University of California could be a spectacular incubator of technologies. We try them out here, and then we scale it up. Okay? Goes to eight. So now we are addressed from 2030 to take us beyond 2030 to that 80% reduction Mario showed. You need some huge innovation. They have to start now. We know we are still struggling with battery storage, right? Hydrogen is there, but it's not there yet. It's a huge push is needed. We are going to hear from our next speaker about all that. So we are talking about pulling the curve, but I said we have to push it from the top, and that's where it comes in the short-lived climate pollutants. We heard excellent presentation by Helena from Paris on the climate and clean air coalition. They already have 50 countries behind us. If University of California with our governor, Jerry Brown, can bring India and China to the table, that problem is solved. So you cut those four pollutants, you're going to gain 0.6 degrees by 2030. What does that mean? It'll buy us 25 years. The warming is about quarter degree a decade. Okay. So remember, if the carbon technology guys can stretch out the trillion tons in the next to 40, shortly pollutants will give another 20. So we have until 2060 to keep it under two. Then it's up to those guys sitting on the gallery to solve the rest of the problem. So the 10th, we talked about the source. The next is the sink. Remember the ocean, we heard about Roger Revelle's work. Ocean takes about 30%. 
the ocean may decide not to cooperate with us. It may not take 30%. And, and the terrestrial biota. So there, we are recommending, of course, uh, afforestation, reduced deforestation. And the third, which is my favorite, food waste. Three billion tons of CO2 are spent in the food which doesn't enter our stomach. We produce it. And if we can recover that, convert it to methane, that's what Merced Campus has done. So we address that. That will give us about 7 billion tons. Well, I sent these solutions to UNEP, and uh, Akim will tell me later tonight, but I heard, sent it to Vatican. I was just, I mentioned to yesterday, and there was a noise in my office. My wife came rushing. What happened? I told her this is what happened. This is the email I got from the Chancellor of the Pontifical Academy of Science. I'll let you read it for about 30 seconds. So, uh, I think they have said they'll work with us to carry this message to, the, to Paris. And we are having a major conference at the Vatican, November 13th to 15th, Education for Sustainability. That's our solution number three. And they asked us to present this. Some of the top educators in the world are coming to that. We're going to be brief Pope Francis. The last time I briefed Pope Francis, it was in the parking lot. They gave me two sentences. This time I bargained, bargained for four sentences. We'll see what <laughs> goes in. So finally, what would make all this possible? We have excellent leadership at our campus, but we are so blessed, it's race goes to the top. We're going to hear from Governor Brown soon, and so that is exhortation to us. So all the way from individual campuses to our president, Janet Napolitano, and to our governor, we have no excuse not to roll up our sleeves and get to work. So I'll tell my 50 co-authors, let's not revel in what we have accomplished. The work is just starting. The emails and the phone calls from Ramanathan will start coming from tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.